to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Welcome to the house this morning. I want to welcome those who are joining us online as well. Um, a very faithful church online. You are our church. You may be joining us for the very first time online. I want to say welcome to you. So... Um, Mm. This morning, I simply entitled my message, Summer Checkup. Summer Checkup. Summer's awesome. You got you to know it's awesome. Kind of no schedules, kind of free, kind of stay up late, kind of sleep late or stay up late and get up early and you're hurting all day. Amen. Summer's fun. You kind of make it up as it goes. People drop by. Daylight till 9, 30, 10 o'clock, it's just fun. But in the midst of all of that, we can kind of get out of routine, kind of get out of our schedule, kind of lose focus on some things. And so what used to be kind of a, the routine in the morning and how we did it, it's just, woo, you know? And what we wear kind of becomes what we went to bed in. And, you know, it's just summer, you know? I'm sorry, no one does that, dude. But, but I'm just kind of, it's just kind of, it gets a little sloppy. I bet your house is a little dirtier in the summer and sloppier than it normally is. Well, because the kids are home. Well, maybe so, but it's just hard to clean house when it's 105, amen? It's just hot, all right? But we get and get sloppy. And so here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us in the midst of summer, in the midst of all that's fun about summer, I, wanna, I want us to do a summer checkup, heart checkup. Because when you really boil it all down, it's about our heart. It's just about our heart, man. You see, I love it because God makes man, knits us together in our mother's womb, and he breathes life into us. I want you to follow me here. Breathe life into us. So when that day comes for you to be born, what are you listening for? Oh yeah, you know it. That first cry, that breath, the life. And everybody in the room goes, you know you're about to get about another two years of no sleep because that's what you're gonna hear. But that right there does not enter the picture. It just, you hear it, you hear it. He breathes life into us. And what he really created us to do is use that breath to worship him. And there comes a day in our life where we call out to God. And we say, God, I'm a, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. God, I pray you come and make me new. I wanna be born again. I wanna, I wanna give my life to you. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and gives you a song a song of redeemed, your testimony song. 
Psalm 40 says it's a song that he sets you on a hill and he wants you to sing that song every single day. And all of the life that he breathes into us and the life through the Holy Spirit of salvation that he puts in us, it's all about worship. It's all about praise. But the enemy sits over here and he says, I'm about to quiet the vocal cords of that dude. And all he tries to do from that day forward after salvation is cut that heart of worship off so that your song won't come out or it won't be as loud as it normally is. He wants to distract you. He wants to wound you. He wants to hurt you. He he wants stuff to enter your heart. Why? Because it's the way he closes it off. Because if he can close off the heart, the song's not loud. And if the redeemed didn't say and so, if the church isn't worshiping, if we're not singing the song he put in us, how is the lost world gonna come to Christ? So what I want us to do is take our heart and look and see what's going on in it. What's happening in your heart? Because when you all, when you shuck that corn down, it's just a cob, man. Because the heart is the most precious thing. And if the enemy can cut off and kink the artery of your heart so that your breath is cut off physically and spiritually, he can put junk in your heart that cuts off your voice or your breath spiritually, guess what you do? You don't sing. You don't worship. You don't tell your story. You don't make much of him. You don't do Psalm 40. All right? That's what he's after. He says, I've come to kill and to steal and destroy. That's what he's come. But Jesus said, don't be worried, don't worry. I've come to give him life and give it to him more abundantly. So I want to look. Summer checkup. It's heavy for the summer. It's not a fun little merry-go-round message, but it's the heart. Amen. So four blockages. Four blockages of the heart. Four blockages of the heart. Proverbs 4, if you want to go there. Proverbs 4, verse 20. You read these words. The book of wisdom is what Proverbs is is simply subtitled a lot of times. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, our daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Hmm. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Watch this. Above all else, above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Many translators say it's the wellspring of life. Do you hear what he's saying? Above all else, guard what? Guard what? Guard what? Guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from that. Everything you do. When I go to Walmart, how I shop, walk an aisle, Look at people. It all flows from what? Lunch? No. 
if you've eaten or not eaten, if you got the hangries or you don't, no, it flows from my heart. Scripture says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You say, well, that's, I'm okay, preacher, because I'm not, I don't talk, I don't speak, I know. I, oh yeah, my face, oh yeah, it's saying it. Woo, my face saying it. Uh -huh. I'm not talking. The heart's not overflowing, but my face is overflowing. Well, your face is saying what your heart's not, your lips not speaking. It's in there. When you drive down Sancy, Coulter, Bell, 45th, jump on the new loop. Watch somebody run new stop signs or don't stop at the new ones. You, you get all that. It's all what goes inside is all in the heart. Everything we do flows from our heart. As much as that does, worship does too. Worship does too. Posture of worship like this sometimes can be the posture of your heart. You say, well, now, you, now you're in the kitchen. Now you're meddling. Why you just, why you want to meddle, preacher? I like you, and then you want to do that kind of stuff. Now I'm just not going to listen to the rest of the message. You shouldn't have even done that. <laughs> Don't do that. I love you. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying, if you're talking to your son as a father, and his, he looks like this, I'm, you're not going to go buy a new bicycle for him. You're going to say, son, this little attitude you got going right now, you better, you can drop them hands and I don't know what this is. Well, what if the father shows up at worship and says, I don't know what this little attitude is. You're, you need to drop them hands or put them up. Yes, sir. Up they are. All right. What I'm saying is everything flows from the heart. People say, well, that, that's just not me. I'm sorry, that came from you, all right? You gotta own that. That came from you. That has to come from your heart. It has to come from somewhere. He says, above all else, man, you gotta guard your heart for everything flows from it. 1 Samuel 16, very familiar little story here. The Lord does not look at the thing man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, man looks at outward. God says, I look at the heart. So blockage. We're gonna look at four blockages of the heart. So what impact can blockage of the heart have on an individual? If I've got blockage in my arteries that's impeding the blood flow to my heart, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, my heart's not beating at near uh, what it needs to beat at. It's not, I can't do everything that I could do. I, I can have shortness of breath more than I usually do. All those are signs, okay? Not only that you're probably out of shape, <laughs> but, but maybe you have some blockage and your heart is being interrupted. The blood flow of your heart is being interrupted. So it does not do that which it used to do. If that's not dealt with, it can be life altering. It can be life changing. Or it could be death. But I have good news for you. Let me ask you this question. If you had... If you had 
the power to reverse it, change it. Would you do it? If you knew you had that going on and you had the power to change it, to reverse it, would you do it? Or would you say, well, been a good ride. Let's get some Dr. Pepper, some Cheetos. I got some movies to watch. You're going to croak in about six weeks, all right? Not because of the Cheetos. Somebody might not like Cheetos. I'm not picking on Cheetos. I'm just saying, it's just, you know, cheese Doritos. You can call it what you want to, okay? But bottom line is, if you had the chance to reverse the jump that puts you in the situation, wouldn't you do it? Because what ultimately is going on, your shortness of breath is being cut off by something impeding your heart. So what if you had the power to change that? What if you could do something about it? I have good news. You can. You can. Let's look at four things, though. Four blockages of the heart. And when I say blockages of the heart, I'm, talking, I'm not talking as much physical as I'm talking spiritually. These four blockages that we're going to look at, what they're intended to do to a person, to an individual is, is to impede or kink the Holy Spirit's power of pumping through that individual's life, his heart, his life. It cuts off the air, cuts off the breath, cuts off the worship so that the redeemed of the Lord doesn't say so. So if he can impede and cut off and kink the hose of your heart of worship, guess what? Your worship won't be heard by anybody. And when he can do that, he has a better chance of getting you and the people around you. What the enemy's whole intent to do with the church is, I'll cut off the church one by one so that the corporate church isn't even heard and can't even impact a lost and dying world. I'll make evil normal because the church just sits there quietly and never says a word. Nuh-uh. I believe he is waking up an army. He's waking the church up. And it is our responsibility individually as a church and corporately as a church that we begin to sing and make much out of the breath and heart that he gave us about our God. Because ultimately, we're just built to make, do what? To worship him, make much of him. But if he can do anything about your heart that closes it off, you will not be on the front line. You will tuck tail and run because you're a weak soldier in a battle that's gonna cost you everything. Let's look at the heart. Number one, gotta look at some blockages. Number one blockage in a person's heart, selfishness. Selfishness. I know right now, no, everybody here, that's not me. We're all selfish by nature, man. We all like to have it our way. There's companies that have made a living. I mean, built monster companies, giving us what we want as easy as we can get it. We love getting what we want. 
We're very selfish by nature. Look at James. Let's go to the book of James. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Let's look at verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny its truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Let me help you with something. Two kingdoms. God's kingdom. Satan's kingdom. You say, what about that in-betweener? There ain't no in-betweener. You're either demonstrating and acting out of or participating in the kingdom of God and the things of God, or you are walking out, living out, demonstrating the kingdom of Satan. Well, not in church, Jeff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only two kingdoms, okay? Earthly, unspiritual of the devil are the kingdom of God. Verse 16 says this, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. What happens is when we get selfish, when we become very selfish, guess what? When we're selfish and selfish enters the room, God vacates the room. Because if it's gonna be all about you, then it's not gonna be anything about me. And so why in the world does God need to occupy space that you believe you're better for it? So if your marriage is all about you individually, God doesn't have a chance. Because what happens in marriage is you take two individuals. They as different as night and day. Don't even know it yet. They just in love. They put that, mm, all that. We like the same movie. We like the same food. You do until you get married and you don't like nothing they like, right? Just the truth, man. I thought we used to watch that show. I don't like that show. I just watch it because I love you. Well, you don't love me anymore? That's not the point, all right? Don't go there. We do, now we become like living in a house. So, so here's the deal. You got man and woman, all right? If they get selfish, God vacates. But the only way marriage works is if you take man and woman in the center rope and you wind those two individuals around the center rope named Jesus. And he's a quarter three that cannot be broken. But if that individual gets selfish, that center rope gone on. Because listen, if it's gonna be all about individuals, you don't need me. If you're gonna stay married today, my friend, you better wind yourself as a couple around the center court of Jesus because three strands can't be broken. But selfishness enters a room, the enemy leaves the room. If it becomes all about meeting your needs and you're doing all this stuff, that's disorder. When it becomes selfish, when you see selfishness enter, it's disorder. I said in the first service, like offensive coordinator and a head coach, you got running backs, receivers, and all this stuff. If the head coach and offensive coordinator are on the same page, the players pick up on that. 
And then the fans pick up on that. And the individuals look on the jersey, and it may say Amarillo, it may say Tascosa, it may say Bushland. But each individual on that team, you know what it says to them now? Me. It's all about me. I'm going to get mine. There's disorder when you get selfish. Disorder does not come from the kingdom of God. Because as soon as disorder enters the house, right, and you can smell it when it gets in there, we call it in marriage. We don't call it disorder. Oh, pastor, me and my wife, we in disorder. No one's ever told me that. But you know what they tell me a bunch? Pastor, my wife and I, we're just not on the same page. You know what that means? That's a dressed up version of a biblical word called disorder. That's called putting pearls on a pig, all right? What you're saying is I've become selfish and they have become selfish and selfish isn't working. Because when that happens, disorder comes. When disorder comes, he leaves. You've got to understand that selfishness is a killer. I have a friend of mine that says you can boil the Bible down to one word. It's called surrender. It's exactly right. See, here's the deal. Every single day when I get up out of bed, my, my prayer, when I, my, I swing my feet around and they hit the floor as I'm making my way to my bathroom, I simply am saying, God, kill me. I must die to Jeff today. I have to die to Jeff today. Because if I don't die, I live. If I live, <laughs> you don't. I have to die to Jeff because when I die to self, Jesus lives. And Jesus will draw all men and women to him. He will change the world. Jeff can't change nobody. Barry changes shoes. I don't have that power. He does. Everything good about me is because of Jesus. Everything that I do is because of the Holy Spirit of God pumping through my veins. But I must die to self because the life I live now, according to Galatians, is through Jesus Christ who gave his life for me. That's what has to happen. So if you suffer from selfishness, the selfishness is something you have to die to daily. You have got to kill it daily or it will run the roost and it will take over your life. Secondly, we got a row, bitterness. Not only blockage of selfishness, but the blockage of bitterness. Luke 17.1. Go to Luke 17.1. I'm gonna read out the New King James Version just because I love the way that they write this. Luke 17, 1, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Let's just say Jesus came to our church right now. He came up here. He said, I got to tell the church something, Jeff. All right, talk to the church, Jesus. Not that he needs my permission, all right? But if he says, I want to tell the church something, this is what Jesus is saying right here. He says to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come to you. Let me say it like this. It's impossible for you to live and not get hurt by somebody. Can I just say it to you? It's impossible for, for you to live in this world and not be hurt by words, someone's look, somebody's gesture, being left out, all this stuff. There's stuff going to happen to you. Jesus said, I promise you, it is impossible for this to happen in your life. It's, it, you cannot go through this life and not be offended by somebody. He says what he says. Can't do it. Go to Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 18. 18. Proverbs 18, 19. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like a barred gate 
of the citadel. An offended brother, man. I mean, when you take up an offense, you know how it is? I say, I put my heels down, boy. I'm not budging. Oh, boy. When that happens, man, bitterness takes root. Bitterness takes root. Listen to me. I need to say this to you. You have got to guard your heart from bitterness. Bitterness is simply unforgiveness. You have got to learn to forgive people. You do, man. You got to let them go. You got to let them go. He said, Jeff, I'm not going to do it. I don't want them to win. They win every time. They got to learn their lesson, and I'm here to teach it to them. <laughs> no, you're not, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We're so tired, but we're glad you came. All right? We're, listen to me. That's not your job. You did not make his heart, her heart. You're not, you did not knit them together. He did. He will change them or no one will change them. That's the period. You harboring bitterness, you getting mad, you digging your heels in, you saying, I'm not forgiving them. They can come to me. I'm not going to them. It's their job to come to me. They won't come. They won't come. I did it, man. I promise you, I'm a product of that. I did it for years until I was a sophomore in college. And I said, I'm not going, man. He can come to me. He's my dad. He's older. He needs to come to me. And I dug my heels in. And everybody around me could hear God's voice. I couldn't hear squat. My hose was so kinked by bitterness and unforgiveness. And one day he said, get up and go. And I got up in the middle of a class, closed my book. I just looked at the professor. He looked at me like, I know what he's thinking, baseball guy. Baseball guy. That's what baseball guys do. They just walk out of class, right? So I got in my car, drove to my dad's shop, walked in. He didn't know I was coming. I laid it out to him. I, I said, Dad, I lay you at the cross. I ain't carrying this no more. It's killing me. I lay you at the cross. I lay all that junk, all those words, all that junk that we had between us. I lay it at the cross. I love you to death. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I'm tired of all this stuff being between me and you. I, I lay it down. I set you free. I'm, I'm free. I ain't doing this no more. I can't carry this anymore. I ain't man enough to do this. And I just gave him all up. I just gave him up. And I waited for years before that for him to come to me. Let me fast forward from that point to about five years later. My dad in a jail cell gave his life to Christ and was born again. He took his last breath about three weeks ago. Let me tell you something. When I was talking to my sister, and she said, Jeff, I was holding his hand when he took his last breath. I knew in my heart, boy, just like Scripture says, when a person's born again and they take their last breath here on earth, they take their first breath in heaven. And he told me after that visit, after he gave his life to Christ, he said, I got saved because you set me free. If you hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have done that. See, your forgiveness sets you free, but it might set someone else free. We go a lot on feelings today. Feelings are a big deal. How'd this make you feel? How'd this make you feel? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm old school coach guy, man. I'm done the feel. My coach, our coach never asked me how I feel. 
Never. Anybody ever have a coach say, Jeff, how you feel today? I'm like, oh, I don't feel like running. I don't feel like tackling. I don't feel like doing it. Well, you just sit right over there. That's fine. You'll be all state anyway. No. He said, get you little scrawny butt on that line. You just run. Yes, sir, coach. Run. Feelings. Nobody asked me about my feelings. God doesn't ask you about your feelings either on forgiveness. He says, listen to me. I chose to forgive you. You make a choice that I gave you freely to forgive them. If you've been forgiven, you forgive. I have a problem with people that say they're born again Christians, but they can't forgive. I'm sorry. If you've been met with the same forgiveness that gave you salvation, the least you can do is forgive someone. I'm sure that God said, you know, I don't feel like sending my son to die on a cross for you to set you free. You think Jesus felt like Calvary? I don't think he felt like that. But he did that and he finished that. And he set you free, set someone else free today. Don't worry about your feelings. Listen to me, your feelings are lie to you because your feelings are largely controlled by the enemy. Well, I right now just don't feel like forgiving them. Well, you're gonna obey God or you're gonna obey the enemy? Because the devil's telling you not to forgive, but God's telling you to forgive. So we'll have to find out what kingdom you're operating in. Forgive people. You're not winning. God gave you choice and he trusted you with it. Do something with it, honor him. Forgive people. Number three, some of y'all are like, thank the Lord, two. I did not enjoy two, all right? <laughs> Number three, another, another kink in our hose of our heart is rejection. Rejection can, be, can kill our heart, man. It can hurt us bad. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has a power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. I love the tongue of life. I don't mind eating that all day. I eat it up. But I've had words of death spoke over me. You can eat them too. You can, you know that? Let me say it like this. How many people in this room and online can remember words spoken to you that were death, that were spoken to you before you were 10 years old? Let's say you're seven, eight, nine. You'll never amount to anything. I don't even know what God was thinking when he made you. What's wrong with you? You'll never be anything. You'll never do it right. You'll never be enough. You're just gonna screw up all every day of your life. You can't even get out of your own way. Words like that stick because they're death. And people have heard those words and they eat them every day. It's kind of like this said in the first service. Words like that become the steering wheel of your life. And we grab that steering wheel and those words drive our life from that point forward. I'm almost 57 years old. And let's just say a word was spoken over me at 10. That means for 47 years, those words have been driving my life. There's a lot of people today that they are where they are today because of something someone said to them before they were the age of 10 years old. And they believe that about them even though that's not what their father said about them. And they've had their hands on that steering wheel, those words, and it's been driving their life. Can I say something to you today? Your heavenly father says, please let go of that wheel. 
And he's one by one trying to loosen your hands. He's bending back those fingers and you're like freaking out. No, I can't, I can't, I can't let go of this wheel. I can't, I've, I've been doing this wheel for all my life. I don't even know how to let go of this wheel. I just, I'll do better, I promise. I'll, I'll wear my seatbelt, I'll drive slower. You let your hands go. Let your hands go of your life. Quit letting your life be driven by those words. The Father's saying with love, man, that is not my words about you. Trust me, let go of the wheel. I'll take it. I'm not going to sing that country song, God Take the Wheel, okay? I'm just saying, you got to let go of that wheel and let the Father take it and drive your life with his words over you, not what somebody else spoke over you. Too many people, I meet them all the time, man. They're 30, 40, 56 years old. And something said to them when they were six, seven, eight years old, they've been living their life out of those words ever since. The enemy stole them, man. Stole them. Because the blockage of the heart cut them off. If that's you today, let go of the steering wheel and let him rewrite his song for you. And let him drive your life to redemption, to freedom, to salvation. Please, if you speak to people, I'm just saying to you as a parent or a boss or a person, when you speak to people with words, understand the power of your words. Will you please speak to the person, not the behavior? What they did is probably stupid, but don't call them stupid. Say, what you did is stupid. That's not who you are, though, all right? Don't speak to the behavior. Speak to the person. If you change the heart, the behavior will follow. If you ever want a person to change behavior, don't speak to the behavior. Speak to their heart. That's what the Father does. Don't say stuff to people that the Father hadn't said to them. If he wouldn't say it, you shouldn't say it. I know you think you're worthy to be able to do that, but don't do that, okay? Rejection. Let go of the steering wheel of the words that people spoke over you and let God speak new words over you and set you free. Last one's evil thoughts. All these things will lead up to you getting hard and callous. That old heart, man, it just continues to get harder and harder. Selfishness, all about me. All about me becomes all about you because there's no one wants to be around you. That's why it's called selfishness. When it's all done, all the fish swim off and it's just self, all right? It's just self. Bitterness, unforgiveness, all right? Rejection, all that, all it does is make your heart callous. Then you have evil thoughts grow from that. I want you to go to Mark. Look at Mark's gospel. I'll go fast. Mark verse, uh, chapter seven, verse 21. Mark 7, 21. For, for from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lawlessness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. All these thoughts, all these thoughts come from within and can make a man unclean. Some translations will say this, all these evil come from within and defile a man. After you are born and then you receive eternal life through Jesus Christ and the day you got born again, 
then that becomes a new song in you. You, When you get saved, you are supposed to give off, supposed to give off the aroma of Christ, all right? But what happens is when you have these evil thoughts, when your heart starts getting cold and callous and it just becomes hard and you get kinked, then these evil thoughts come out of you. It's not you, but it's it, it, people go, I can't believe you did that. It's not even him. I know. Your heart gets hard, evil thoughts start coming out. You got to be careful that the evil thoughts don't come out in behavior, all right? That's what happens. The only thing that can cut off a man's thoughts is his heart. His heart has to stay pure. The thoughts can come, but a heart that beats for God can flush the mind. Romans 12, one and two is a beautiful example of that. By the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. How can a young man keep his way pure? By the word of God. The word of God hidden in your heart that you may not sin against him. The word of God in your heart that's what flushes out the minds and the evil thoughts. You're going to have them. That happens to everybody, all right? I mean, people cut me off sometimes in traffic, and I'm like, ooh, that thought was not a pastor thought. Lord, help. I'm, I'm, I'm human, man. I'm telling you, as a human being driving that black tundra. And I'm like, woo, don't do that again, all right? I mean, I, I don't have a sticker one on my truck. Not one. Not one. I want anybody going, you got a fish on your truck. Yeah, I'm about to... Mm fish on my truck. I, no, I don't have any of that. I don't have honky. If you love Jesus, I just have a truck, all right? And I don't do that because I'm scared of the way I drive. I'm just saying, all right? You got to be careful that that, 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 that stuff, because you have thoughts like that. But if I have a thought like that, my heart must flush my mind so that I don't act on what I think. That makes sense to you? Because I'd be like, why do you do that? Well, I don't know. I just thought about it. I just did it. Uh, you, your brain went dead, dude. I don't know what you're thinking up there, all right? You want you thinking, all right? So, so what I want you to understand is that, that you've got to let the word of God that's hidden in your heart, that's why the word's so important. It flushes your thoughts. It's hard to live in this world, man. Stuff, I mean, they can't even do toothpaste without that stuff that sells toothpaste. don't even have anything to do with toothpaste. I mean, you see a commercial, I'm like, what's that got to do with a cookie? I mean, they just blast through that stuff. I can't even watch NFL, can't even go. I mean, you can't do anything. Plastering that stuff, just throwing it down your face. So your thoughts go there, but the word of God in your heart flushes that junk. Does that make sense to you? All right, go to Psalm 139. I gotta get you out of here, all right? Psalm 139. So he knits you together. You know all the texts in there. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. But then he goes to verse 23, Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me. Mm. Don't search my wife. Don't search my church. Don't search my church attendance. Don't search my tithing record. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. And when you search me, God, I want you to know my heart. Mm. See, there's some scripture you read and you're like, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> this ain't one of them. All right, slow down and read that. Search me, oh God. Hey, you God, the maker of my heart, the one who knows me best, search me. Woo, well, you just took that up a whole nother level. We act like he can't see. Like, is your God blind? No, my God see everything. But we act like he can't see our hearts. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way. Now, I'm gonna go back a little bit. I'm gonna just see something. Test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts. You know why it says anxious thoughts right there? Because when you know what's in your heart and you come before the Father, the maker of your heart, and you say, oh, God, search my heart and know me. You're like, oh, snot. The heart maker is meeting with me. I've just asked him to search my heart. I'm very anxious. Why you're anxious? Because you know what's in your heart. When Natalie was a little girl, our daughter Natalie, she, uh, she could be a little sneaky at times. I think that's a girl thing. I'm just saying. Right, not, don't beat me up, ladies. But, but she can be a little sneaky. So she used to sneak in her room and take a pair of scissors and cut her own hair. I don't know if your kids do that. So one day, Melissa and I went in her room, and there is, we're in Natalie's room, right? Natalie's room. Natalie's bed. Under Natalie's bed, which is in Natalie's room, there is a pile of hair with a pair of scissors laying on top and Natalie trying to cover them up. And we just have simple questions, kind of like what God would ask us. Is this your room? Mm-hmm. Is this your bed? Mm-hmm. Are those your scissors? Mm-hmm. Is this your hair? No, no. <laughs> no. Right, let's start this over again. Is this your room? Mm-hmm. Is this your bed? Mm-hmm. Are these your scissors? Mm-hmm. Is this your hair? No, not, not, not my hair. That's how we are. God searched my heart. Is this Jeff? Mm-hmm. Jeff, is this your heart? Mm-hmm. Is this in your heart? No. Yes, it is. Let's start over, Jeff. Jeff, yes, sir. Is this Jeff? Yes. Jeff, is this, is this your heart? Yes, sir. Is this in your heart? No, no, it's not in my heart. That's in Kate's heart. That's in Tommy's heart. Nothing's in Tommy's heart. But, but you know what I mean? That's, not, that's what we do. Am I wrong? Is that not what we do? I hear you married. Jeff, is this Jeff? Yeah. Is, are, we, are we talking about your heart? Mm-hmm. Is this in your heart? No, that's Melissa. Melissa made me do that. God, I'm just telling you, if, if she wouldn't, it's not Melissa, Jeff. Focus. That's what we do. We lie to the maker of the heart who knows us best. He occupies our heart. This is heart stuff. We only have our heart. It can't be anyone else's. We're sitting on our scissors, hair piled up, hair all jacked up on one side of our head, and we're going, it's not my hair. (laughs) Then we got rats in the house that ate all your hair up. But I mean, just, we do that. So here's what I want to say to you, church. It's all about the heart, man. Can we just do that? Selfishness, if it's you, lay it at the altar. Get it out, man. It'll cut your worship off. Bitterness, unforgiveness, we talked about them. If they're in you, let them go, man. If you will let them go, ooh, I'm just gonna tell you right now, you'll sing. See, what I was trying to do my sophomore year that I didn't say is, they had a thing called time out. It's a Bible study on Tuesday night at nine o'clock. I walked in one time. People got their hands up, worshiping and all that stuff. This little Baptist boy is like, out, I took off. 
Not because I was Baptist, because I was unforgiving in my heart for my guy, for my dad. When I got set free and I let my dad go, I walked back into timeout, poo, changed. It was different, man, different. It changes your worship because it frees you up. If you got words of rejection that you've been holding on to the steering wheel of your life and those words have been driving you, let that steering wheel go. Trust God to steer your life with what he says about you, not what someone else said about you. Evil thoughts, flush them with the word of God. Flush them. Is this your heart? Yes. Is this in your heart? Yes. When you tell a doctor the truth, you got a chance to get well. You lie to a doctor, you're going to lay in a box. Give yourself a chance. I asked you earlier, if you have blockage in your heart and you know about it, and you got the power to do something about it, would you do it? I'm going to invite you to stay in church, and let's find out if we'll do it. Safest place you'll be in. Holy Spirit was here from day one, from the minute we kicked the football. He's in the house. He's spoken to you. His Holy Spirit is here. He's got his arm around you. He's saying, this is the moment. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Search me, O God, and know me. Mm, test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts in me. They're anxious because you know what's in your heart. But he says, come to me. Come my way, the way of everlasting. I'll make your heart new. I'll clean out the blockage. I'll open up the artery, and your heart will function the way it's supposed to. Life will spring out of you. Worship will spring out of you. You will sing like you've never sung before, and many around you will hear and see and put their faith in you. Some of us aren't singing because our heart blockage is bad. Don't lie to the one who made your heart. Say, it's my heart and say it's in me and get it out today. Father, we love you. We don't want to say this, but we just want to be honest and say we need heart checkup. We needed a summer checkup today, God. God, search our hearts. Mm. Just search our hearts, God. See if there's any offensive ways in us, God. And then God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lead us to the way everlasting. Mm. Holy Spirit, now do what you need to do in your church for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Let's worship. If you need to come this morning, you come. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.